0: Um, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're here. Okay. I was scanning the audience for somebody tall enough. Apparently, I didn't, didn't get one. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> um, so, this is what we call Heart for the Nation Sunday. Once a year, since the very beginning of our church, our church uh, started in 2005, and um, in, in February, the, the Sunday closest to Valentine's Day, we stop and talk about God's heart, for the nations of the world, and um, it's a way of annually recalibrating ourselves to remind ourselves that we're not the world, that there is a whole world out there that Jesus loves, that he died for, and there are people all over this globe that have never heard the name of Jesus, and that we have to, as God's people, we have to be focused on taking the gospel to them, so usually what happens in this uh, service, and as the years have gone on, it's gotten more and more practical because we've had more ways in which our church is engaged in global missions to talk about, and we have so many of those today. We're not even going to hit half of the ways our church is engaged in global missions today, uh, but I wanted to take a little bit of time uh, before we start to talk about some of the practical matters, the practical ways, or the, or the what of, uh, we're doing, to talk about the why. Why is one of those incredibly basic questions that, that comes in almost every circumstance when you're introduced to a new idea. It's a basic and important question. If you're a parent, you've likely learned that children intuitively gravitate to why, um, the why question. I remember when my kiddos were growing up, it was common to have conversations like this. Hey, buddy, don't sit so close to the TV. Why? Well, you're going to hurt your eyes. Why? Well, your eyes, buddy, aren't designed to focus on items so closely. You know, you can't sit that close. Why? It's just the way God made you. Why? I don't know. Just back up. (laughs) Are you with me? Have any of you ever had a conversation like that with your kids? Uh, Maybe you've seen Simon Sinek's famous TED Talk on this subject. It's brilliant if you haven't seen it. Uh, Not everything in there is brilliant uh, and and what I commend to you, but the the premise of the talk is so good. He talks about how great leaders inspire action, and he points to the reality that great leaders stay in touch with the why, and it helps them uh, to inspire action behind the what's that they're doing, no matter if it's a cause or an organization or a movement or a company. Uh, He reminds us in that talk, in Simon Sinek's talk, he reminds us that MLK's famous speech was, I have a dream, not I have a plan. Just think about how often we use plans to try to compel people to action. Really, it doesn't do it. What compels people to action is the dream. Great plans impress us, but great motives inspire us. Uh, and so for every Christian, we, we have to look back when we think about the subject of church planting or global missions or using our lives for the gospel at all. We have to look back at the motives a little bit. Uh, and, and Paul has a great motive for us that we're going to look at today. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to, to God by the death of his son, Jesus Christ. So Paul tells us that the motive for us is that while we were enemies to God, God came to us and reconciled us to his son. So if, you, if you've gone to church, this church, for any length of time, you've probably figured out that we're, we're pretty focused on starting other new churches. We're focused on developing missionaries and sending leaders to spread the gospel. In fact, in our short history as a church, we're about to turn 17, by the way, uh, so we're going to get out of our teens pretty soon. It's exciting. Um, we're, uh, in our short history as a church, we've sent dozens of missionaries, both long and t- short term, around the world. We've run a training program for pastors and church planters that's produced literally dozens of uh, church planters and pastors. Many of them came here as members of the Marine Corps, or having a secular job, never intending to go into ministry. They received a call to ministry, got equipped and trained, and left here as pastors and missionaries. It's something that we're really proud of, that we've been a part of spreading the gospel in that way. So we've run this training program for pastors and church planters since our first year as a church. We just had 30 people gather here in this little elementary school and we were running a training program for pastors as if we had something to train. Um, our staff team has written books and made films and produced podcasts all aiming to inspire and equip other new churches. And, and to be sure, our church regionally and some in some ways even nationally is an inspiration to other churches um, in the way that we have been involved in church planting in a way that you probably don't understand or realize Um, but our church has been a part of not just helping us here, but in other places. Uh, Our our church, honestly, operates a bit more like a small missions agency than it does a small church. Each week, our elders and our leaders are spending a lot of time working to establish and renew uh, other churches. We spend a ton of our energy and attention working with other churches and other pastors, helping to establish and renew them. It's a, it's a, a pretty different posture for a church to have. Most churches really kind of focus on themselves and their members, and from the beginning, our church hasn't been like that. I don't know why it is that God made us passionate about that and made us like this, but it is the way he's made us. And my temptation on a day like today, uh, when I have this one time a year to just pour it in as much as I can, is to talk specifically about how we're making Jesus known, the, the what we're doing, and to focus on, on what we're doing and assume that everyone in- understands the why behind it. So I'd like to start today by sharing the why behind the what just for a moment. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. <clears throat> Just a couple short verses that I hope will help remind us the why behind the what. So what's happening here is the Apostle Paul, arguably beside Jesus, the best missionary the world's ever known. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in a time when really nobody else was missionaries, he was very much a trendsetter. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, summarizes his motivation for spreading the gospel, and he does it in this way. Here's what he says. Look at verse 14. He says, The love of Christ controls us because we've concluded that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who, who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised that's his explanation of the motivation that compels him to be a missionary so what paul's saying here and uh in, in, in what, what Paul's trying to communicate to us and what we want to communicate today is, is really simple. So let's just take it bit by bit. Number one, right at the top, verse 14, at the top of verse 14, he says the love of Christ controls us. So if we were to ask Paul the question, hey, Paul, why is it you're so passionate about missions? What's the why behind the what about spreading the gospel, about planting new churches? What is the motivation? Paul's answer, his first off the tongue answer is for the love of Christ controls us. It's a kind of a strange response, but it, it's a fascinating uh, Greek word there. The word controls it's suneko, and to hold to it means to hold together with constraint or to compress something. In other words, it means to pin down. I, I'm suspecting if you're a brother or a sister or a parent, you've seen pinning down happening in your living room. As your kids fight with each other, they pin one another down. And, and this is what the scripture is communicating to us. What Paul is saying to us uh, happens to us. Uh, what Paul's saying happens to us is that the love of Christ pins us down. It hems us in. It controls us. So why does the love of Christ control us? He says it in the end of the verse. Look at the end of verse 14. Because we have concluded that one has died for all, therefore all have died. So here's the, the, the line of logic, the line of reasoning. Paul says um, we're, we should give our lives to the spread of the gospel because we are controlled by the love of Christ. We are pinned in by it. Why are we pinned in by the love of Christ? Because we have concluded that Jesus' death, one died for all, therefore all of us died too. When Jesus died, we all died. In other words, we concluded that, Jesus' death on the cross resulted in our death to self. That's the logical conclusion, Paul's arguing, for the person who looks at the cross. Jesus died for all of us, therefore we all die to self because of his death. I wonder, have you come to this conclusion? Have you ever made the connection between The reality that Jesus died for you and your sin, that he took upon himself the weight of your sin. The scripture tells us that God made him sin who had no sin so that he might become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God on the basis of faith. So, like, Jesus became sin for us, and he died, and the result of his dying is our dying too. I wonder if you've ever drawn that connection. I wonder if you believe that you are in a very real way, dead to the aspirations, desires, and self-focus that you were enslaved to before you trusted in Jesus? Have you come to that conclusion? Have you taken up the laid down life is another way to ask the question. Here, again, in Acts 20, Paul's revealing a, a bit of his mindset regarding his purpose in life. This is a different text, but the same guy, okay? He says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor do I account it as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I've received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of of the grace of God. So Paul says that my life now, it really doesn't have any value at all. My value is in the way that my ministry for God, to God. So Paul is pinned down by the love of God, and he does not account his life to have any value except that that enables him to testify to the grace of the gospel. So you see, Jesus' death, though it provides us with eternal life in heaven, Jesus died, we get life in heaven, that's the way we normally think about it, but it also, on this earth, it, it was a form of death for us on this earth, death to self. Um, So Paul, pinned down by the love of Christ, does not account his own life to have any value except for that that enables him to testify to the grace of God. You see, Jesus's death, though it provides us with eternal life in heaven, also brings us to the end of our individual and self-exalting aspirations. That's what the gospel does. That's what Jesus's death on the cross does. It brings us to the end of our self and our individual and self-exalting aspirations. Look at verse 15. Look at the how the, the second verse goes there that we're looking at today. He died for all, that those who might who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So this is Paul's conclusion. Paul's conclusion is that we're hemmed in, we have to live this, this deceased life, this deceased to self life because we are now compelled to live, for God, we're compelled to obey God. Look how He voices it. He actually says at the end of the verse, "Not to, uh, um, that those who might uh, I'm sorry that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him, for whom he, uh, he died." So we now have to live for God because we have been hemmed in in this way. So our motivation, our motivation is simple. And we're going to spend the rest of the service today talking about the what we're doing. And that stuff is really important. But I want us to, I want us to look back to or at least understand or embrace or, or breathe in for one moment our motivation. We make the agenda of God our agenda. I was told when I got married, somebody told me in giving me marital advice, they said lovers love what their lovers love. And that always stuck in my head. Lovers love what their lovers love. That means that whatever it is my wife loves, I need to to begin to love that thing too because it's an act of loving her when I love the thing she loves. And and as we say to God, our lives are of no account anymore, your purposes prevail, we say to him, the things that you care about most also need to be the things I care about the most. A great hymn writer, Jim Reeves, said it this way. Dead. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have him than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led. By his nail pierced hands, than to be the king of a vast domain, and be held by sin's dread sway, I'd rather have Jesus than anything world
1: affords.
0: So we've talked about the why, and we're going to talk about the what. We're going to spend the rest of our time together today talking about what our church is involved in. When we set out to plant this church, we talked about all the things we wanted to do. And Jennifer and I, and Colby was part of that as a pastor at my sending church, and. And we, we talked about all the things we wanted to do. Dale and Patty were a part of that. We dreamed about what this church would be. And we, we ended up summarizing it in this little statement. The Lord church exists to know Jesus and to make him known. And the idea was that we would really have two kind of primary things that we're all about. Knowing Jesus Christ, that is essential and primary for us. And all that that entails and doing what we can to make him known to the world. As we drilled into that making him known, we we started to really believe that the the best way to make Jesus known was to establish new churches. Because when you start new churches, you do this incredible thing. Like you go on a mission trip, and you share Jesus with people, and you come back home, and then maybe it lasts, maybe it doesn't. Probably the seeds of the gospel continue on. But but when you go plant a church somewhere, it's like you put a disciple-making factory in that community. It stays there, and it continues to make disciples for its life. In every single day, I mean, just think about the ministry, the compounding ministry. We have no idea that goes on just from this church alone every week as you minister to people in your jobs because of uh, convictions that you felt while you were here, or as you form Christian friendships here that compel you to live a gospel-centered life in other places. Just think of the incredible ways that God has used this church in your life. And think about the 30 or so churches we've started and all the people in those churches and the compounding impact. And think about the fact that if today, this was our very last Sunday as a church, our ministry would continue on for generations in those churches we planted. And that that idea compelled us in a huge way to be all about starting new churches. So I'm going to tell you uh, the three categories in which our church thinks about uh, this work that we do of planting churches and sending missionaries. The first category is that we prepare missional leaders. Uh, what we do, what we spend a lot of our time doing, uh, Pastor Colby and myself and our other elders, is working with people who have aspirations for pastoral ministry. And so I think we've got a slide about residency up here, just kind of kind of show you a little bit about um, what we do in residency. In our first year as a church, we, we started um, offering a church planting residency. And essentially what that is, is for somebody who has an aspiration for pastoral work or ministry or missionary work or ministry, we want to spend a lot of time with them to help them, to help fast forward their preparation process so they can get ready. So we prepare aspiring pastors and church planters and missionaries and their teams, and that takes from one to two years. Any ta- at any point in our church, it may seem like we have some staff members floating around, guys like Cody and Carrie who work at the church, but we don't really hire staff, we hire future church planters and missionaries. So we bring people along to help Pastor Colby and I out with the things that we have going on, but we do that as a way of preparing them so that they might go elsewhere to do that. There might be a day in the future where we have to hire more people to stay around here. It certainly is um, something we think about a lot, uh, needing to have some more help around here, but virtually everybody that that comes in uh, leaves as well, and many of the missionaries that we're going to see and talk about and feature today, they're people who were once members here, and now they're off doing something else in, in another place. And some of you, even in our congregation, are preparing to go other places. So that residency is a part of that. It's 40 meetings. We usually meet on Wednesdays, just so you know. Many of you may not know that, but we meet on Wednesdays. Pastor Colby and I get together with them. We walk through a curriculum that we've written over the course of the years called Church Planning Thresholds, and we do daily mentorship with them. So there's one time a week where we're sitting down having a meaningful conversation about an important topic, and then all throughout the week, they're doing regular ministry duties that are giving them experiences Uh, so that they can become prepared for gospel ministry. So they're getting ministry experience, and they're also uh, reading and writing uh, some reflection on that. So uh, our, our church planning residency is a huge part of what we do, but it's not a part that everyday members see very often. But I wanted to say it to you today because there may be some of you here who say, you know, I, I believe pastoral ministry or being a missionary maybe at some point in the future of my life, and I, I would love to be a part of something like that. I want you to know as your pastor, and uh, I can speak for Pastor Colby as well, uh, if God were calling you to ministry, we would be eager. We'd not just be okay with it. We'd be eager to help prepare you for that work. Um, we find it to be the, the very center of our job description, which is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4.12 we find that to be the very center of our job description we want to spend a lot of our time doing that so the reason i say that is our elders and pastors spend a lot of time doing that so one way that we try to obey the great commission is by constantly producing leaders because we believe it only takes one thing to plant a new church only takes one thing it's not a pile of cash it's not a good band or a cool meeting location it only takes one thing to plant a new church and that is a ready leader And so, we do everything we can to ready leaders so that they can go and spread the gospel in other places. So, one thing we do is we prepare missional leaders. The second thing we do is we start new initiatives. We start new initiatives. Now, uh, you may have heard of the Praetorian Project. The Praetorian Project is an initiative that we started a little over 10 years ago now, we started in 2011. Um, we literally, uh, Pastor Colby and I, had the I- idea for it. It was sort of seeded in the early days of the church. We began meeting all these military service members, and we said, oh man, wouldn't it be amazing if we could plant churches in the locations where they're going and then network those churches together so that we could spread the gospel around the globe on Uncle Sam's dime. That would be amazing as they're going around places if they also had a passion to see churches established in those places that they went. It seemed like a pipe dream. It seemed like a really far thing so we set out with this simple goal of starting four churches in, in the location in the four locations where marines most often find themselves and that was the washington dc area the capital region uh eastern north carolina southern california and the islands of japan and so we set out to start those churches we thought it would take our entire ministry career to, to establish those four churches but the truth is that was done in about three years those churches were established. And we began working to establish other churches. And and today there are 10 pillar churches with three more uh, preparing to plant. And we see that continuing to grow. That has become a legitimate nonprofit organization with an executive director and a big multi-hundreds of thousands of dollar budget. It's called the Praetorian Project. And that is one of the initiatives that we started years ago. And again, that's going to continue to produce new church plants in military communities all over the world. We continue to want to be involved in that, but that's an effort. So anytime you see a church called Pillar that has the same logo as us, that means it's a church near a military installation that has some of the same DNA that we have here. So the Praetorian Project is one of them. We also have some other initiatives, like um, put a couple of them up on the screen. These are, these are uh, groups of church plants. We have the Iceland Project, who you you know about Gunnar and you've heard about him and, and Logan and their work and we hope that, that be, that's two churches now but we hope we hope it becomes many churches that spread all throughout the nation of Iceland so we have a nonprofit organization for that too and hundreds of thousands of dollars it gets donated from other churches into that and we uh, facilitate that work we mobilize churches and Christians to go over there and be involved in the work in Iceland uh, in Iceland and we uh, we. Um, respond to people from all over the country who are feeling a, a heart for Iceland and want to go, and we get them there on short-term mission trips, uh, we get them there on vision trips, and sometimes we help them become missionaries in Iceland, too. So the PG's have disseminated into uh, our community and other communities, um, but we're going to be, uh, we want you to know about this new initiative that Joy Rogers is going to lead for us uh, called Nations to Neighbors, Nations to Neighbors. And we're going to start by introducing you to one of the uh, fellows that we've been serving uh, an Afghan refugee that we've been serving. Alright, hold on just a second, we'll see if we can get some audio. Hear this very good, can you? Not really working. Okay, just just give a give a pause on that. It's not we're not going to get that. Um, Joy, come on up. <laughs> Joy worked really hard to get that video. So, um, uh, yes, you do. Yeah. We'll put the video on our Facebook page. Well, if I don't know if we can do that. No, we won't. We won't put the video on our Facebook page. Never mind. Forget that. <laughs> Forget that. Uh, okay. So. Um, so, you want to summarize the video for me? Yeah, please?
2: I can summarize the video. Um, so, this is Suleiman. Oh. Unbutton would have helped. Uh, that was Suleiman Koshan, and him and his family have moved to Stafford, Virginia. He came to uh, the U.S. with his wife and two daughters, which are five and three, and if the video um, would have continued, you would have heard him talk about the way that um, the thing he was most excited about were the people that were here. Um, he has made a lot of great friends. He actually references me and my husband, Jake, um, and um, you get to hear a little bit about the ways that we've been able to help support him and his family. So that was essentially the gist of part of the video.
0: So, uh, Nations to Neighbors, talk to us about what this is, help us to understand the initiative as a whole.
2: Yeah, so Nations to Neighbors, the idea is that um, we know that the nations are in our backyard um, and God has brought them to us. And so, Nations to Neighbors is a opportunity to, uh, at the long term, share the gospel with the nations here in our backyard, but by initially meeting felt needs, specifically right now with the Afghans. And so, um, as Clint mentioned, there are a lot of Afghans, (laughs) Northern Virginia is actually, that has the highest population of Afghans in the country. Um, And so they have transitioned out, and they may be receiving some help, um, but they have a lot of need. Um, They are in need of material, uh, goods and transportation. Um, They need help understanding American systems and schools and all kinds of things. So nations to neighbors, there's two opportunities. Actually, if we could put up the, the next slide. There's two opportunities of how to get involved. Um, Hopefully the next slide will pop pop up in a second. The the first one um, is to adopt a family. That's kind of small, sorry. Um, Adopt an Afghan family. This is the one that maybe require a little bit more intentionality and commitment. Um, This is where we take two household units. That could be a single person in a family or two families. um, And we pair you with an Afghan family that is local to the area. And your responsibility for ideally up to six months at the least um, is to build relationships with these families. A lot of them um, are looking for friendships, and they're looking for people that can just come alongside and live life with them. But you also get to be the main point of contact to the rest of the church body about what kind of needs they have. So it's not all on you. Um, the other option is to join basically just the general support team, which is the people that actually provide the material needs, that help with transportation, that can do some research on some different jobs, or whatever it is those particular families need. So it's a it's a combination effort um, with that
0: Yeah, that's good so two basic things one is adopt a family partner with another family to adopt mm-hmm. a family the other one is generally say hey I'm here to help I want to be whatever help I can and enjoy her team will communicate with you about needs that exist um, uh, when they come up <clears throat> okay so um, I'm sure people are thinking uh, I got kids to raise, I got soccer to go to, I got a job, I'm running up and down 95 all the time. How in the world do I have margin in my life for this?
2: So I think one of the encouraging things we've actually seen down at Pillar Stafford is people bringing their families along in the effort. Um, and it's really had an impact actually on the kids. Kids break down cultural barriers like nobody's business. Um, they, they um, The Afghans love little kids, it's great. Um, Part of it is just, you know, uh, we've got a family down in Stafford, they've got five kids and a two month old is one of them and they've been driving a little girl to preschool every day. Now that was a big sacrifice on mom's part. I mean, she's literally carting around 50 million children. Um, And, but it's showing her children um, Mm. the service and sacrifice that they can, participate in, Um, there's other ways that we would support you. It's not like you're on your own. So if you were to sign up to adopt a family, there's a training session that we would essentially require you to go through to help with culture and customs and how to share the gospel with Muslim uh, families. Um, If the family doesn't speak that great of English, we have access to quite a few people that speak both Dari Pashto Pashto and English, um, so we could facilitate a translator. And then the other thing I wanted to um, just let you guys know is Stafford will be starting um, ESL classes in the future um, but the opportunity to get trained as an ESL instructor is going to be on February 25th and 26th down at Stafford um, it's $25 a person, $35 a couple it's two days you get certified as an ESL instructor and that will help you they need help learning English not all mm-hmm. of them but the majority of them do and so that's another way to assist with that. When
0: she says Stafford she means pillar Stafford. Obviously, yes. Um, and then um, so talk to us about um, Many of us have never been inside of an Afghan's home. Uh, and so the, even the prospect of like going inside an Afghan's home, even in our own country, that sounds a little a little scary. Talk to us about what that's like.
2: It's so great. Um, there's so much tea. Um, (laughs) If you escape an Afghan's uh, house with no tea, it really is a miracle. It's only happened twice to me in the last month, and it truly is a miracle. Um, They are all about hospitality. These families have basically nothing, and yet without fail, um, when I show up, they bring out one of their serving dishes full of every snack they have, um, usually nuts and fruits and chocolate. They're big into chocolate. Tea and chocolate pairing is very important. They force feed you, not really, but they kind of force feed you. (laughs) If they've cooked that day, you're going home with food. Um, They are some of the most generous people. Um, Obviously, we'll teach you cultures and customs, but they love making friends, and they'll just sit on the floor and talk with you as long as you're willing to give them. Um, So that's kind of what it's like, it's pretty fun.
0: So for the family here is, you know, like, interested in getting paired with a family, what are the first steps for them?
2: So the the very next step for you, um, whether you wanna be part of adopt a family or a support team, just so we're tracking what you would like to be a part of, um, you're gonna text the word nations to 97,000. Um, And that's going to shoot you a Google form um, that you'll kind of fill out with some greater information. We want to pair families with families that maybe have similar kid ages or whatever. um, So that you kind of have a lifestyle similarity or something that kind of connects the families. So we're going to gather some information about you or your family um, and then try to pair you based off of that so once that Google form we get that we'll notify you about the training opportunity that will be coming up shortly after that um, and then we'll go from there and you'll get more information obviously detail wise at that training
0: That's super helpful I'm gonna pray for you before you step down Uh, so thankful for joy she's just a everyday member here who decided to give herself to this work when this opportunity uh, presented itself to us with the refugees coming here and it was so interesting so many people you know, perceived that politically and thought about that and argued about it on Facebook, Joy just took action, started serving. That's an incredible example to us. And so let me just thank the Lord for that. For Jesus, every Afghan boy and girl and man and woman that has come to live here in our community was made in your image, created in your likeness, and... Are our human brothers and sisters in a deserved dignity, and respect? And Lord Jesus, please help us to think less of ourselves and more of you, so that we can serve those that you've created, and put in our midst. Lord, our communities are affluent; they have, we have so much. God, you've given us a, an incredible opportunity to serve, serve people right here in our own community, and I know. The temptation is for us to think about all the things we have to do that will keep us from dedicating ourselves to serving the refugees who are here. But God, would would you stir in us a desire to be your hands and feet for these families who have gone through so much trauma? Help us, Lord, to be used by you to serve them. We pray that we would see ones of them come to faith in you and come to love you and serve you. God, would you do something great, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Joy. Yeah, that's okay. You can leave it here. Yep. Okay, so we prepare missional leaders. We uh, start new initiatives, and, and there are other initiatives, but I don't have time to go through them. Um, and we go on trips. We go on trips. So I'm going to walk through uh, some of the trips we're going to go on this year, but before we do that, I want you to hear from my son, Noah, who's serving in the Middle East right now. He's been there for about a month. Hopefully this video will work.
1: What's up, Pillar don't freeze. It's Noah, and I'm out here in the Middle East right now where I've been serving for the past month and I've still got a couple more months closer to him. And I am also super encouraged by you guys and how you guys have been consistent on reaching out for me and talking to dad on my behalf. I'm just super thankful for all of you guys. Two weeks ago I was super discouraged. I haven't met anybody, uh, any locals, and I just was feeling I was wasting my time. But this past week uh, I spent some time talking to dad about it. And this past week he really uh, came through, opened a lot of doors, met some locals, even spent some time downtown with some. I know this trip definitely would not have be been possible without you guys, so thank you, thank you for that. This trip also, I never would have gone on this trip if I hadn't had done some uh, shorter-term mission trips, uh, growing up, and even, like, in the past couple years, and you guys have an awesome opportunity this summer to go to uh, on a couple of short-term mission trips, where you're going to go to See the baggage in North Carolina, or if you're gonna go overseas somewhere and see like Gunnar and Logan, Iceland, or Yoma in Indonesia, or Amanda in Peru. You guys have so many awesome opportunities to go uh, overseas and just serve this summer. So I really encourage you. somebody who's overseas right now, uh, it is worth it every time. I really encourage you guys to go on at least one of those trips this summer. I know it's a big commitment to take. Um, week or 10 days out your Busy schedules that we have in Northern Virginia, but I mean, I took four months, so you guys can take a week or so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm serious though. like, Dad comes through every single time. He answers when we call out to him, and he is just so good and faithful to us. So let this be an encouragement to you guys. I love you guys. I miss you guys. And I really, really hope you guys decide to go on some uh, missions trips this summer. It is 100% going to be worth it. And it's gonna be a great time. You guys are gonna learn and grow so much. It's gonna be a trip you guys will uh, never forget. You know matter what If you go on, I know a lot of the guys. You guys are going to see and be a fantastic along them. They're my family. So I'm super jealous of the ones who can go on trips I can't go on. And so I am just so excited for you guys and excited that you guys are gonna have this opportunity. So please, please, please don't waste it. Uh, I love you guys. I miss you guys.
0: his dad sounds amazing (laughs) wow so here's a couple trips we're going on this year there's a pillar church of Fayetteville in the works and our church planter Jonathan Baggett and his wife have just moved there to Fayetteville he grew up in Fayetteville and he's been serving at pillar church of Woodlawn for the last few years getting prepared and Jonathan and his wife have just moved there, in this spring break, this year we're actually going to take two trips to go support them, so this spring break, um, if you're a Marine and you want to be a missionary to the soldiers, um, you could, you could uh, go down there and help serve uh, at Fort Bragg. Uh, the trip will happen this summer, April 22 to 24, or this spring, April two, 22 to 24, and it's a really uh, inexpensive trip, so that's one you could go on. We'll also be going to Pucallpa, Peru, and we have Amanda, as we mentioned at the beginning of the service, who's here with us today. So come on up, Amanda, and uh, we're going to get to learn a little bit from her about about her work there and about that trip. Uh, I think, uh, no, yeah, there you go. Green, Green light. light means go. There we it's go. Green beans go. Okay, so uh, Amanda, welcome. By the way, thanks for having me. So great to be back. Yes. Um, now, some of you might remember, uh, Ma- uh, Amanda was here a, a while ago, maybe a year ago, and taught uh, yeah. um, a sign language class to a lot of our families, and so, um, and she works with the deaf in Peru. And so, Amanda, can you just remind us uh, about the organization you serve with in Pucapa and what that's all about?
3: Sure, um, so I serve with a mission agency called South America Mission. Um, and they, 30-something years ago, started, um, helped start a Peruvian, it's now an independent Peruvian association called Refugio de Esperanza, which means the Refuge of Hope. It's run by Peruvian directors um, and pastors that live on site. They were all polio survivors. There was a big polio epidemic years and years ago. And on the property, it's actually quite a large. It's a decent-sized campus. We have um, buildings that where we have three different, well, two different schools, um, well, three different schools that function on the property, as well as a housing, uh, like residence, residential area with a variety of families, myself included. Um, and dorms for up to 35-ish kids that live there. So we have the schools that function on Sundays. We also have two different churches that function on our property, a hearing church. For those of us that work with the deaf, those that can hear, we call call you guys hearing. Um, So a hearing church and then a deaf church that we also started back in 2018, because I have a co-teacher who's deaf and also an an, an ordained pastor. So he's the pastor of the deaf church and I join with them and then voice interpret the whole service for any hearing family members that show up at our church. Um, And then we have a farm uh, outside of town that functions, but uh, we just serve a whole lot of the community. We have a very high percentage of people with disabilities that come and our kids in the schools as well as attend the churches and are just a part of our community.
0: Give us a sense of your day-to-day work with deaf students. Specifically, what's that look like? What are you doing?
3: Yeah, so uh, the way the schools work there is there's primary school and secondary school. And each school day is a half a day. So we have in the mornings a primary school with a preschool and a special ed school that all function at the same time, from like 7.15 to 12.30. And then at twelve from 12.30 to 6, we have a secondary school. And I work with my co-teacher. We work with all the deaf students. And so in the mornings, it's any kid that attends our school that's deaf aged 3 to 14. Uh, and then, well, they all are in their own classrooms, and then we pull them out in time slots to work with them because there are no interpreters to be in classrooms with the deaf kids. And then in the secondary school, which is in the afternoon, again, we work with all the deaf students, but we all have them all in one classroom at the same time. Um, and again, aged 14 to, I th- our oldest one right now is, we have a 19-year-old who wasn't even, didn't even start secondary school until he was 16 because there were no secondary schools that would accept him until we started accepting the deaf back in 2017 into the secondary school. So that's the majority of my life. It's working with all those kids.
0: So we are, as a church and our family church, is sending a team over this summer. Mm-hmm. We're gonna limit the team size to 16, uh, but we're sending a team over this summer. Can you give us a sense of, if they were to join this team, what, what might be involved in their trip?
3: Yes, so I am super excited. Uh, I just had my six year anniversary of being in Pucallpa uh, this past week on the 10th. And this is the first year I'll hope that there'll be a short term team that comes down. You guys have no idea how excited I am for this, Um, but you guys, like, you know, every team wants to be productive, and that's awesome. I am most looking forward to y'all coming down and just getting to know everyone at Refugio, and starting to build long-term relationship. The there's this one other team that's been coming for years, and those families know them, ask for them, remember them. Facebook is wonderful; keeps connections. Mm -hmm. So coming to build relationship. Um, on a productive side, you guys are going to bless me immensely because I was very blessed to have a house built. My, um, uh, my church at that time helped raise funds to, have a, to build a house for me in 2019 and because my old one was falling apart. needs to be burned down, um, but the way it works is houses there that are built, we built it with a foundation for two levels, and so my roof is actually flat in anticipation for the second level at some point. That has now caused water um, damage on the inside. Uh, the, I don't know if you can see the picture. The next slide. There's a massive mold stain in my kitchen. Um, oh nope, not that one. That's no. the old one. It should. It, it's not in. It's not in this one. Oh, did did it come my, out? The new one. The, the updated one okay. had the picture. Uh, okay. Sorry, it was a different PowerPoint. Okay, it's all right. But the, it just there's mold, and I've had water damage on the ceilings and stuff. And so the contractor that knows what he's you know that that there said the best way to fix that is to go ahead and put the columns up. And the second roof—it's just a sheet metal roof and columns to protect my standing roof. Um, so you guys are going to come down and help build the columns. So pure manual We're labor. Them
0: pillars. We're going to build the pillars.
3: We're, yes! <laughs> I hadn't thought of that before. I'm totally stealing that. You guys are going to come build pillars okay. um, to get the roof on the next level of the house, as well as do VBS and again hang out with the kids there and the families and get to know Tofuhi. That's
0: great. Um, do you have to know sign language to go on the street? No, okay, you don't even good. have to speak
3: Spanish, <laughs> there will be interpreters provided. Okay. Um, and I can be the interpreter for all the deaf kids, that's what I do.
0: <laughs> well tell us how we can pray for you.
3: So I have a list to make sure I don't remember, I don't forget. Um, so the Peruvian school year is the opposite of the American school year. We start in March and go to December, so right now we're on summer break. That just means it's rainy season in the jungle, kids would have to canoe their way to school sometimes, no joke, I have pictures. Um, but just the 2022 school year go well. We're hoping to start in March. They've already delayed the start of the school year because they're hoping to get all the kids vaccinated. Um, Peru is a, its own country, very different, and there are vaccine mandates. That's another another prayer request that they lighten up. Um, they're forcing it. They're, you have to show proof of vaccination to go into a grocery store, to go into a bank. Um, so with that, like the with the school just lighten it so that people can actually get out and do stuff and parents can work and not be as restricted because to take a day off, they have to take a day off to go get their kids vaccinated. And if they don't eat today, I mean, sorry, if they don't work today, they don't eat tomorrow. So just that's a big one. And then two, sorry. Coordination for the first team, I, this is again, first team, I'm excited, but there's some coordination that needs to happen, so my first round doing this. But for Mike Garlem, the pastor at Pillar Stafford, who's coordinating it, pray for him. The team that's coming, that the Lord would just equip them and speak to the heart of each person that he wants to go, and also that he prepare us at Refugio to receive everyone and to be, just build relationship and have that go well. Um, a big one is my previous and former secondary students that have accepted the Lord. God has blessed us immensely with that. Even this past year, last mm-hmm. year, two of the boys in the secondary school accepted the Lord. Amazing week at the end of June. God just decided to show off. But that they just continue growing in the Lord, um, those that were students in our, uh, because we don't have a lot of workers. And to disciple the deaf, it has to be life discipleship. They can't read and write. And that would be my last one, that the Lord continue to bring more workers mm-hmm. to work with the deaf. Wow.
0: Let me pray for you, Amanda. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for uh, Amanda's work. Lord, um, a smart, um, ambitious young woman that could uh, use her energies for uh, purposes that she's determined are good for her, but she instead has laid down her life to serve you and to serve the least of these. Lord Jesus, would be we uh, look to that uh, and be inspired to, in a similar way, lay down our lives. So, Lord Jesus, bless her, take care of her, meet her needs. And Lord, we're just excited to be able to bless her by making her roof not leak. And Lord, just uh, thank you so much for all of the the, the ministry that you have done uh, at uh, with her. And we just pray that she would be fruitful and taken care of in the future. And Lord, would you be near to her, help her sense your presence as she works with these children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Amanda. Okay, so... Uh, we go on trips. We're going to Fort Bragg. We're going to Pukalpa. Uh, we're going also to Reykjavik, uh, Iceland. And we've been to Reykjavik many times. Many of you have been to Reykjavik. And uh, we'll be working with uh, Gunnar Sum and Logan uh, as well, primarily. And so uh, we got a little update video from Logan as well. Um, so let's play that.
4: Hey, Pillar Church of Dumfries. This is Logan Douglas coming to you from Redeemer City Church of Reykjavik in Reykjavik, Iceland. Just wanted to tell From God's word and just from my own heart to share uh, the heart of God for the nations, the heart of Christ through his church to make disciples who make disciples that plant churches that make disciples that plant churches locally, nationally and internationally, just like how you sent us here to Iceland to preach the word to the Icelanders and foreigners who are here. to faith, to make fully mature, fully formed disciples within the context of a local church that then catch a heart for Jesus' blueprint of sending his disciples through local churches to make more disciples. And so I just wanted to read from Romans 10, uh, starting in verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And later, Paul says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so I pray that the word of Christ would dwell richly with you all today as you gather to worship. And that the word uh, would clearly speak to you that God has a heart for the nations. And how Pillar Church of Dumfries, and how you can be a part of seeing and potentially giving your entire life to possibly move to a different context, to share Christ with others and to glorify Christ in the local church for the glory of God. God bless.
0: So we will be headed to Reykjavik on July 8th through 17th. I believe Cody Davis is leading that trip, is that right? And, uh, and we'll be serving with Redeemer City and uh, working with Gunnar in some ways as well. And so if you are interested in uh, finding out more about that trip, uh, Iceland is an incredible place to visit. Um, you'll get to see some incredible things as well as uh, encourage the missionaries and support the work that's happening there. Uh, we'll also be headed to Bali, Indonesia. Um, uh, Bali, Indonesia, we've been to Bali many times, and we've worked with a brother there named Yoman. Uh, actually, Yoman came to faith right before I met him in like 2008. Uh, and he has since, uh, we, our congregation paid for him to go to seminary. He went to seminary. Uh, he got prepared. He planted a church. That church is now multiplied several times. We helped them build a facility. They now have a, a really wonderful facility where they're serving all kinds of people in their village, including AIDS patients. Uh, they're in their village, and they have just become this incredible uh, minister of the gospel there. Um, and, and we're so excited about that. They actually call their uh, facility the Pillar House of Prayer. Uh, so if you Google Pillar Indonesia on Google Maps, you'll probably see uh, the Pillar House of Prayer that's there. It's kind of uh, just incredible to see all that the Lord has done uh, since 2008 with these guys. Their, their joy is infectious. They are passionate about the gospel. They're passionate evangelists, and if you'd like to go and serve with a team to, to meet them and, and see the, the work that they're doing in uh, indonesia and encourage them i would love to encourage you to do that uh, we're going to head also to normandy france uh where a brother and friend of ours mauricio is uh, actually a, um, a hispanic brother who grew up in el salvador uh and married a french woman and they be- uh, began uh, f- sensing a call to go serve there and they were here in the washington dc area for some time and he was a part of a pastoral training cohort that i led uh, uh, and uh, so I was a part of helping equip him and train him. And he's also close with our Spanish congregation. And uh, Ho- Pastor Jose will be leading that trip over to, uh, over to Normandy, France, July 25th through the 5th. Uh, and then again, we'll go back. We're going to bookend all of this with another trip to Fort Bragg on August 18th through 21st. So these are the opportunities that you have this summer to go on, on mission and uh so what we'd like uh for you to do is um to visit uh, uh an online card that we have that we've created um, you can find this card cody are we going to be able to text this out as well uh yeah we can text it. you'll get a text about it as well but you can find this at pillar backslash p-o-m which stands for pillar on mission and you'll find a card where you can express your intentions about what trip you'd be interested in going in This isn't a firm commitment saying I'm 100% going to go on this trip. So if you're interested in learning more about uh, one of these trips, we encourage you to go to pillardumfries.com backslash P-O-M and just choose which trip you're interested in. And the trip leader for that trip will be able to follow up with you, tell you more information about the trip and what it would take to get ready to go on that trip. And I want to leave you this morning with just something that's always inspirational to me um, we have uh, tried over the years to kind of keep track. You can't t- keep track of everything, but keep track a little bit of some of the wonderful things the Lord's done. And we started uh, about four or five years ago, we started making a family tree. It was just getting a little too uh, haywire to track. And so I just wanted you to take a look at our family tree here and just see what the Lord's done. And these, each of these dots represents a, a church that our church has planted. We've sent members as missionaries to go and start these churches. And a lot of the churches... Were planted by churches we planted, and so again, as I referenced in the beginning of the sermon today, the compounding impact of a church and a community is incredible. And we've got churches in Okinawa, and we've got three pillar churches in Southern California. We've got churches in Eastern North Carolina. We just planted pillar Topsil, getting ready to do more than we could ask or think or imagine. So I want to finish today by praying and thanking the Lord for all that He's done, and asking that this would just be the beginning of what the Lord might do through our small congregation. <coughs> Father, we love you, and um, just as we said in the beginning, our motivation, the fuel for our mission is the love that compels us, the love that you have displayed for us, that while we were still sinners, you died for us, when we were your enemies, when we were in enmity with you, you loved us. When we weren't even searching for you or looking for you. the Scripture says we were brutish, self-interested. You came to us and you made us alive in Christ. Ephesians 2 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. It was as if we were just decaying and floating down the river, the course of this world, and you distracted us. Made us alive in Christ, and Lord Jesus. You are so good to us, and in your in your salvation, in our salvation that you gave to us, you also caused us, as we saw, a death in us, a death to our own uh, way of life. And in desire, Lord Jesus, to deliver a greater joy and satisfaction to us in life than our earthly pursuits can deliver to us. And so, God, we want you to hear from us that our desire is to to be found in you, to please you with our lives, to obey you, and, Lord, acknowledge that it is, is possible and probable that we could obey you serve you even in our jobs and vocations here without ever going to the nations but lord jesus no doubt you want some of us to go. no doubt you want some of us to to turn away from what we've deemed to be our own dreams and to take up your cross and daily follow you lord jesus we don't know quite how to do that and we lack confidence And so we ask, God, that you would give us clarity and conviction, Lord, that you would illuminate from your word and through your church and your people and in your spirit, Lord, just a clear path in front of us about how we are to obey you. Some people here need to respond by going on a mission trip. They've never done that, and they need to respond that way today. And some of us need to respond in greater ways. Some of us need to support those who are going. But, God, would you use our church continue to make you known among the nations. Lord, for each of these projects and the ones that weren't even mentioned today, oh God, would you do great things through your people, we ask. In Christ's name, for his glory alone, the church and in the world.